0: Of unscripted, and I have the great pleasure to use Mark Alba with the Chief Product and Strategy Officer at Anomaly. Thanks very much, Mark, for joining me today. Much appreciated. How are you? Um, do a day. I'm doing great, David. Happy to be here. So one thing is, I mentioned that you have that on the wall. You mentioned it's it's Megadeth?
1: I'm Megadeth poster from 2001, So I'll date myself.
0: <laughs> so I'm your fan?
1: I am. I'm a music fan and I'm pretty eclectic. So I go all the way from Megadeth, meganath Metallica to Bob Marley and
0: classical music. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the same boat actually. It's funny. And I have the same CSSB Bible, that really thick book that yeah. I've had that for many years.
1: <laughs> uh, the one I right. cracked open fifteen years ago.
0: <laughs> yeah, same, same here. We share these. So Mark, just to provide some clout to to our conversation. Just walk me through. You have a very senior role in a very successful growing company. Just walk me through this memory lane of how you got to where you are and then we'll get warmed up like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I've been in security for over 20 years, and I'll say that I somewhat stumbled into security. So having come from a technical background as well as a background in in economics, what really drew me to security was really my first role in a small company called Security Focus, which for those of you out there that remember the BugTrack database and the Security Focus website was really a community-based effort to how do we get the information required on vulnerabilities out there? to everybody so that we can start being more proactive in addressing security. That morphed into an acquisition by one of the large security vendors, Symantec. At the time, when I joined Symantec and was with Security Focus, we were really focused on one thing, which was how do we take global intelligence And how do we make it actionable? I always talk about, I'm somewhat of a nerd. I'll read through intelligence reports over the weekend. I don't mind reading through PDFs. I actually get a kick out of seeing how many indicators of compromise come out of different types of potential attacks. But I also realize that's not the nature of business and that's not the speed of business. What really brought me to of that now through the years after having gone through working with SIMS, working with endpoint detection and response, being fortunate enough to work with companies like checkpoint to build the first firewall appliance way back when was this notion of getting back to how do we action? global intelligence. And that still is a problem that hasn't been solved for. And so that's if I were to do full circle to where I'm at now, it
0: started about 20 plus years ago back at
1: Security Focus to where I'm now at Anomaly.
0: It, it is so cool. You have such great logos in your background. I remember semantic at a time was going through a, an acquisition spree. I think at one point in time, you're buying like 70 companies or something, some crazy <laughs> numbers like that in a very short order. And then Malwarebytes, it's another one. Hewlett Packard, all big brand names. You find that you mentioned that you fell into it. Do You find that was it a lot of it was like you positioning yourself to be successful, meaning that you were in the right time and the right place, but you also had the skill and the aptitude to to basically join the right teams and the right technologies.
1: Yeah, I think. I would say so without talking about myself. I think the skill and aptitude. And when I say skill and aptitude and specifically in the role I'm in as a product leader is really being able to deal with uncertainty, being able to deal with uncertainty, being able to listen to a customer. It's your classic product management skill set that's that just I happen to have and I happen to enjoy. I enjoy, I enjoy chaos. I enjoy taking chaos and making order out of it. That's what keeps me excited. The one really interesting thing about security, because at my time at Semantic, I did get the opportunity with Veritas to spend time on the storage side while interesting, very different type of product management development cadence. there's no there's no attacker that's that that you're going up against where you're constantly having to change your tactics and techniques and how to develop products in storage. And so for me, that even went more to the chaos. the the Constantly having to think through all the different data points before making a decision, and also making a lot of decisions that, quite frankly, you didn't have enough data points, and you had to trust that you're moving based off of intuition in the right direction.
0: Being a product leader in a fast-growing company in the cybersecurity space is not for the faint of heart. Yeah. I mean, first of all, you have to know it's a role with cr- a lot of cross-functional knowledge, so you have to know a lot about the technical in innards of technology and cybersecurity, you have to know the marketplace, you have to know marketing, sales, you have to figure out where the company is moving as a whole. And it's, sometimes it's like, almost like a big boat. It's, you can't turn on yeah. a dime. You also have to have a bit of a crystal ball where, is, where things are moving. Like, How do you juggle all of that? And again, is, it seems like your background led you to this perfect storm being in this particular role you have all functional knowledge from your prior, prior engagement for different software companies?
1: Yeah. Yeah. The technical background is a foundation it allows you to have the conversations and that's just a piece of it. People can train to have the technical background and they, and a lot of experience around it as a trained economist. I am used to looking at all data points. I'm used to looking at data points that you wouldn't typically think through to really gauge the direction that things are going. Behaviors. Just what's happening, obviously, on a macro level that's having an impact on behaviors. Some of my favorite research that I've done is actually sitting in a sock, sitting down and not talking to anybody, but just watching the interaction between functions. To a certain degree, and I think, thankfully, a lot of this has gone away, the hierarchy within a sock, starting with that frontline, tier one, just out of college person who's triaging things all the way to the second level, all the way to the PhDs in the back of the room who may or may not talk to that level one SOC analyst. And obviously I'm blowing this a little bit portion here. But what I really loved about that was you could see the behavior of the people. You could see how they interacted. And most importantly, you could see how their behavior changed as circumstances within the SOC changed. And that really being sort of behavioral analysis of a saw really gets me going. It gets me thinking about, okay, what are the tools that we can create to
0: improve their lives, to
1: make their lives better?
0: And speaking to, let's fast forward to what you do today, big problems are worth solving, right? Yeah. So let's define, for everybody who's listening, let's define first and foremost, what is a threat intelligence? Why is it important to organizations? What are the issues associated, as you mentioned, with the collection of massive amount of data. But then as you alluded to it, converting into an actionable actionable thing you can take. Yeah. So, why don't we do a short primer on that?
1: Yeah. Listen, threat intelligence for me is, there, there's and for those security folks out there, you're familiar with the whole concept of be through obscurity, or as I like to call it, the ostrich approach to security of sticking your head in the sand. Can't tell you how many times oh, sure, sure. I've been on the phone with, with CISOs who say, this is fantastic information that you're sharing with me, but plausible deniability is the name of the game. Um, I mean, think that, that time has passed. And so as you look at threat intelligence, it tells you everything you need to know about the impending chaos. Let's put it that way. It gives you insight into the trends around attackers, the industries that they're hitting, the geographies that they're hitting, the systems that they're hitting. And, and again, going back to 20 years ago, we had all this information. It was siloed. It was not in the cloud. What's changed is very simply put like everything else in the world. Compute power is elastic. Storage is cheap. Advanced analytics and machine learning is now providing meaningful insights. And so threat intelligence, as I said before, it is at the time where It's not threat intelligence for the purpose of academia. It's threat intelligence to, as I like to say, threat intelligence at the point of decision or threat intelligence at the point of of detection, in our case, is the direction that I think the industry is going.
0: There were, in the past few years, we became better at this, right? So meaning we have now more abilities to, from various open source intelligence and maybe some custom ones. But then there's also, with that said, there's also an explosion of more and more data that gets fed out from, from people, from just in general, the volume of data that's out there has exponentially grown. How does Anomaly specifically deal with that? And how do you, as you mentioned, create that actionable? Because again, it's all about the yep. potentially You can see something that may or may not provide risk, but the context is everything. Yeah. And how do you, first, the, the, the problem of collection? Right. To be able to see everything. And then yeah. out of that is how do you, how do you refine this signal to noise ratio and make sure that you, what you actually view is actionable to the customer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Listen, on the collection front, we've taken an approach. We have very smart architects and engineers that have developed a big data platform where collection is not an issue in the sense of we want as much visibility as possible. And it actually is even reflected in our pricing strategy where We don't price based off of the amount of data that you store. We don't price based off of the amount of intelligence that you consume because you need as much visibility as possible. So we've solved for that problem and it's really a cost problem because as you said, there is so much data. It's less about how much data you have, it's how much data do you have access to. When you talk about the context, we talk about attacker relevance. Attacker relevance is so important. In getting to, as I had said before, Using the information that you have in the intelligence, being able to take the context of your environment through things like what's your security posture, what's your capacity with your security controls to actually address an impending threat, and how does that security posture change over time, all the way to a detection. Because a detection, obviously, is that known evidence of, of an attack in your environment. How do you take that all together to provide not just the SOC analyst? But also the SOC manager, and more importantly, executives with the insight into who are the attackers, who am I, who are the attackers that I'm vulnerable to, and then what's changing with them, whether it's a a macro global situation, all the way to trends that you're seeing with that attacker. How do I track that in a real time basis to see show that when you know an attacker becomes relevant to your environment, the alarm goes off. And that's really what we're trying to get towards with machine learning, with data management that allows you to collect that much information, the machine learning that allows you to refine it, the context, very simply put, it's a dashboard that says, do I care about this attacker or do I not care about this attacker?
0: And that can be night and day, right? So if we distill it, for example, for a simple example, if somebody tries your door, your front door, right? and you can hear it. they're trying to jiggle it, they leave. You probably want to know whether it's a random flyby, somebody who just came in and opportunistically tried your door, or is it somebody that's specifically targeting your house because they know that you have something very valuable inside, and you know that they eventually they're going to try this again and maybe go to the back door, maybe trying to wait for you to come inside, whatever the case may be. Again. Just to, Would that be an accurate statement from that perspective, like in terms of an example?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's an analogy we use all the time. I would say that to extend that analogy, how the person, whether they jiggle the doorknob and just do a little test on it, if they poke around and try to lift up the garage, there are different tactics and techniques that attackers use to probe. And that becomes a signature for that attacker. That is evidence of... I'm going back and forth between cyber and the house, but it is evidence of an impending attack. The other thing that's really important is what has the attacker taken? So we talk a lot about external attack surface. What are the servers that are exposed? But assets or external assets could also be compromised credentials that are already out there in the wild. It could be a domain that's been hijacked. To use the house analogy, that's the package that somebody went to your porch and stole is now out there in the wild. And while that's loss of an asset, it's also evidence to what's going to happen next. Was it, is that person going to come back? What time of day did they actually steal it? What's, what was the size of the package? Those sorts of things. It's all hugely important information to ultimately get to who's the attacker. Are they going to attack me again? And how do I make sure? Then I have the right security controls in place.
0: Right. And view patterns as well. Talk and patterns. T- Whether your neighbors in this particular case can be your neighbors have already been, been broken into. So potentially companies in the same vertical with similar type of infrastructure, similar type of security controls are, were a target. You're most likely going to be next. Right. So again, it's okay. all about, as you mentioned, over time, see those trends and be able to almost like see the future of where things are going. Yeah.
1: And it's all, all this that we talk about. We spend a lot of time talking about intelligence, about detection, about machine learning and all the other sports that are out there. All of it, very simply put, going back to the example I gave of being in a sock and watching behavior is to get the analyst to a verdict that something is bad in my environment and to take action. If everything could just be that, this is bad taking action. This is bad taking action. That simple approach—that's that to me—is what I'm trying to help our customers, socks, to get to that type of approach.
0: And now, a few years back, this type of intelligence, this type of services technology, was reserved to the elite, in the yeah. sense that those companies that were, that would say the top five percent of financials and so on. This is no longer the case, right? We. No. Everyone has to do this. This is not an option, really. It's almost like given that while you monitor the inside of your company, you also have to monitor, do a 360 view of what's happening on the outside. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And again, I think that's not just with with cyber intelligence. And people are doing that with, with business intelligence, with all the way to human resources intelligence, as an example. So I think that the trend is clear going back to the technology advances that are enabling it. One thing I will say about it, and I think this is a danger across the board, is really differentiating between checkbox compliance of I have threat intelligence because I need to have threat intelligence. And I haven't really curated or thought about the intelligence, how it's relevant to what we call priorit- the company's prioritized intelligence requirements versus organizations that haven't intelligence built into everything that they do, all the way from I know my business, I know what geography I'm in, I know what's relevant to me in terms of attackers. I'm going to pull that intelligence in. I'm going to focus in on that intelligence. And then I'm also going to talk to my security engineers, to my IT team, to make sure that as they change their, their, make changes within their architecture, that's captured. And there's a kind of continuous loop of updating intelligence To make sure it's relevant to a customer's environment
0: yeah it is super interesting that again it's becoming the mainstream everybody's got to do something about it and you cannot just almost avoid not doing it it's just given it you have to figure out what's out there and what's coming next yeah Um, exactly talk to me a bit about since you're in a this very particular role i'm pretty sure that you have some really interesting things that happen and maybe maybe even scrubbing some of that details maybe there's some cool stories that you can provide us so we can get a feel of what the impact of this technology is
1: yeah yeah, scrubbing names off a couple things come to mind i think one one that i that just resonates with me was related to our product but it, it was Again, going back to the I always think about the sock as being like, you can, and there have been TV shows on it, but it's so exciting what happens within the sock. But it was a story that was told to me by one of my customers around a rapid response event. And it was a typical rapid response event. Oftentimes it starts with the CEO or the CFO who's, who's taken the train in the, in, into the office and happens to read that, that CNN article or that news article on a particular attack. And the SOC analyst gets the email, hey, are we vulnerable to that attack? And in this instance, the SOC team went back to their uh, SIM logs that were in cold storage. They sput up those logs. They brought them from cold storage to hot storage and reformatted them to make, make them useful for searching. Two weeks later, they looked at it and they said, yeah, we are victim of that attack. And picked up the phone, called the CEO and said, hey, we're aware of this. We're going to take action on this now. Um, as we brought our solution into play for it, just at the highest level, I won't go into the solution, but at the highest level, it speeds, it, it uses that big data management to be able to speed up that search and make that data a constantly accessible for that type of forensic searching. They went into our system, same exact situation, different threat, get the phone call from the CEO. They took a look at it and within seconds determined, yes, in fact, we are a victim of that attack. Again, I'm not here pitching the product. What I love about that story, though, was that they picked up the phone. I'm dramatized, making this more dramatic. They picked up the phone and somebody said, hey, put the phone down. Let's think about how to actually take action on that. Let's spend a couple of hours so that instead of coming back to the CEO with, yes, we have a problem, they came back to him with, we have a problem and here's the solution. And that to me was just a great illustration of how you can actually use technology to not only advance the business, but think about the SOC analyst. That SOC analyst became a hero. That SOC analyst came back with a solution and not a problem.
0: And that is a huge re- relief to the, to the cybersecurity professionals yeah. and executives. that had to report on it. It's a night and day difference between saying we have an issue, but, oh, we have an issue and we have a, we have a solution. Yeah. An the yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. CEO, you can go back to running the business. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's right. And tell me, since you ingest massive amount of data on a day to day basis and keep that for a long period of time, do you have an ability to view and almost become if you call the movie Minority Report where and you know where I'm going with this, where oh, yeah. they knew before before the crime get committed, who's gonna commit it. Almost have a, you know, like a vision into the future of what's happening.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, I can't, we probably reference minority report on a daily basis within the product team at Anomaly. And then there's always that kind of a hand waving of, we want that, that, that type of dashboard. Um The answer is yes. That's, we need to get to that predictive nature of an attack. I think we're not necessarily there yet. I think we've gotten to the point where we have the data. It's really around how do you get to the machine learning that refines all the variability of that data to get to the predictive nature of it? We can at the highest level. So, for example, we can tell, things. obviously, if we're seeing trends within common characteristics like geography, industry, et cetera, the things that I mentioned before, we can track that. But there are other things that, you know based off of kind of common sense or based off of our intuition, haven't necessarily played out. And the example I'll give is, we're all familiar with this, but when the war in Ukraine started, everybody said, flat out, wait for the cyber attacks. We saw some cyber attacks. They followed the same pattern as before. Cyber attack happens before a kinetic attack. But what we didn't see was the widespread attacks coming out from the Russian government. And so as I think through the predictive nature of it, I'm not going to get into, I'm starting to get into politics. But if you look at in what we know about the state of the Russian military right now, had we known that bit of intelligence, which we don't collect, but had we known that, there might have been a predictive nature to say, hey, in fact, we shouldn't expect a cyber attack because we have enough intelligence to know that, first of all, the Ukrainian army is going to take action and they're going to be successful and the Russian government is going to be preoccupied with a kinetic attack. And so as I think about information, it's like, how do we pull that information in? How do we build more of that into our predictions?
0: And Mark, I'll mention this, that this conversation has been completely unscripted. So you're doing phenomenally well just getting tackled (laughs) with these questions. So in the minority report thing, I just had to plug that in. Just also in terms of being able to know where the risks are. So. Again, we're all dealing with almost unlimited attack service and then limited resources. Every yes. organization is just like that. So the ability to plan ahead and know where the your weak spots or know where the trends are to divert the resources towards that is also super valuable, right? Yeah. Do customers use Anomaly to figure out where are the areas that they need to strengthen and become more resilient?
1: absolutely absolutely and the risk is obviously i guess i'll say subjective it's subjective to an organization what is your risk tolerance and to really understand risk the first thing you need to understand is what's your potential the probability of attack this gets starts getting into the exposure management piece of it is where am i vulnerable and where am i vulnerable at any given time because obviously that changes over time um Our focus is really getting helping our customers get to that baseline and understanding that and then taking in the business information aspect of it. And again, this starts to get to what industry am I in? What's the potential for attack? And then also, what is the nature of of my digital estate, as we like to say? So am I supporting remote workers who should there be discontinued operations means that they're not going to be able to do email for a day? Or am I running a factory floor that should there be discontinued operations? I'm losing $50 million a day. All that information needs to be taken into account. And this is really what we do at Anomaly to be able to understand what is my risk? What's my risk threshold? And then how does that risk change as attackers change tactics? As users change behavior as well, move from one region to less risky region and back and forth. So that's really all part of the equation.
0: Yeah, super interesting. And as Anomaly develops and add on capabilities, you also play well with others. You create partnerships. You also understand that you don't live in a bubble in the sense that you, customers require you to operate with other technologies as well to add additional value. Can you actually just describe what that looks like the partnership program and how do you work and how do you add more and more capabilities over time?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We are a platform and we have over 240 integrations into the platform with what you would expect around SDKs and APIs which make it really easy for partners and customers to integrate into the platform very simply put our goal with the platform is to make sure that we're plugging into all the pre-existing security investments that our customers have made Um, as we built out our technology partner program our focus really was on how do we enable a partner to deliver for their customers, our joint customers, how do we make it as self-service as possible? Because oftentimes when you think about an integration, we're going to be experts in our product, they're going to be experts in their product. So how do we make sure that we're giving them the tools to remain the expert in their product? And then finally, as we built out the program, It's also recognizing the level of resources that various organizations, various vendors are going to want to apply to the actual, the partnership itself. And then making sure, and I think this starts to speak to the go-to-market aspect of it, that the commitment made to the customer, to the integration, to the technical aspect of it is also supported by the go-to-market aspect of it. So how much marketing investment do both companies make? How much sales involvement and account involvement is there? And that's really the focus of our technology department program to align all those pieces around a premier set of partners that
0: have all the tools that they need
1: all the way to individual customers who just want to do it on their own, not have to go through a formal program.
0: Yeah, it's incredible. There's so many moving parts for this when you think about it. And you have, I guess, a tremendous role to to figure things out where the pieces are quite quite an intensive role. Last thing I'll mention, and then I ask you, what's it, what's next for anomaly? Doing certain things really well, and you've expanded the platform, add additional capabilities. Anything you can maybe be describing some of the major details, but anything else that comes down the pipe that like, makes you be like the next generation or being very competitive towards towards the marketplace.
1: Yeah, there's been a progression I, yeah, I've been in the industry long enough to, I can talk about progressions so over time. There's been a progression that I've seen over the last few years from starting out with antivirus, where you have signature-based rules to detect a threat all the way to, we don't know what the threat is. We're going to monitor for it. We're going to look at events. We're going to do the analysis. What I'm seeing is back to all the technology advancements that we were talking about earlier. We are now moving back to, I won't call it signature-based, but I'll talk, speak to better behavioral detection, better overall kind of multi-layer-based detection to get to a verdict that something is bad. What really excites me about Anomaly and about the partners that we work with is we're all focused on how do we go back into security operations and provide them with the tools to execute on the use cases that they're focused on, which again is, detect quickly, get as much context as as needed to be able to respond to the attack, and then spend the time predicting what the next stages of the attack are to increase your security posture. What I love about the market right now is there's no one solution that's delivering on that. There's this next-gen SIM, there's XDR, there's SOAR, there's threat detection, TDIR, threat detection and response solutions. It's all starting to coalesce together around those very specific use cases that security operations teams are telling us. And I think Anomaly is really well in the platform that we've built to be able to deliver on each of those pieces in a very simplistic way.
0: Yeah, that was an absolutely amazing conversation, Mark. Thank you very much for joining me today. I hope this was very helpful for the people that wanted to get a glimpse of your world and what you do, as well as... the of Anomaly and its, its future, where it's going. Um, before I let you go, what's the easiest way for people to reach out to you and learn more about what you do, what Anomaly does and so on?
1: At, reach out to me on LinkedIn, Mark Alba at Anomaly. You'll be able to find me there. I'm on Twitter at the Real Mark Alba, which is a little bit of a joke that I just want to look at when I got my Twitter handle, but that's what it is. And feel free to reach out to me over email as well. It's M-A-L-B-A Anomaly.com.
0: Fantastic. Mark, Mark, thank you very much for joining me today. Much appreciated. Looking forward to seeing where you go next and where the company goes. And until then, thanks for all those who joined us today. Much appreciated. See you at the next episode. And until then, stay safe online as well as offline. I'll see you next time.